happy holidays. That was beautiful. Oh, I think we're gonna go happy holidays. Oh. I'm just gonna sip my wine and admire you. Oh, good. I wish that's what you would do all the time. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we record together? We, so, so I can sip wine and admire you? So that we can stare into each other's eyes and get wasted. <laughs> it's better to get wasted with someone to that's, stare into their eyes right. and each other. That's how we're spending the holidays this year, ladies and gentlemen. Happy all the holidays and such. Yeah. Uh, did you guys expect this? It's Christmas once again, and just like last year, here's a special episode! All for you. Yes, don't, don't lick that candle. Should we tell them what the episode is? Oh, sure! Also, that was me not talking to Tara. Tara is in the blue room. <laughs> I also lick candles, but that was Bentley. It's one of those fake Christmas candles. I only really lick real candles. <laughs> They know. They know you lick real candles. So anyway, we want you to enjoy this edition of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets as told by that bitch and me. And Stephen Ostertag. And Stephen Ostertag. And Robot Bitch. Oh, fucking was Karen from Australia. No, she's actually not the one who did it because I fired her and hired some nameless bitch. So enjoy! Yeah! We'll catch you soon in a minute. Bye! Chapter one, the worst birthday. We're back in magic land, but things aren't so fun to begin with, especially since in magic land right now, the word magic is completely forbidden, even when used in an innocuous situation. Yeah, that's right. We, the reader, might be back in magic land, but Harry's in Dursley land, and they open the book by acting or rather overreacting. Also, poor Hedwig is feeling claustrophobic, but Vernon has no problem per usual in keeping a creature locked up. Ooh, foreshadowing. And sort of past shadowing? Anyways, to make matters worse, it's Harry's birthday, but they don't acknowledge that. Nope, instead they're worried about some big elusive business deal with some other boring fucks named the Masons that Vernon's been overthinking about to the most minute racist little detail. Charming. Except Dudley does remember, and he goes to tell Harry that he remembers as Harry is staring into the bushes outside. Yeah, Harry's so upset on his birthday that he goes outside to get away from those shitholes inside, and is wondering why Ron and Hermione haven't sent him any mail all summer. Was it really a dream? When all of a sudden, he sees a pair of big glowing eyes in the bushes. Oh hey everyone, strap in because glowing eyes are about to be a theme in this book. <laughs> Anyways, Harry has to do a bunch of chores. Petunia almost knocks out a 12 year old with a frying pan like a crazy bitch and he's exiled to his room as the Masons arrive. It seems like it should be fairly simple when all of a sudden he notices a strange thing on his bed. Yeah, you guessed it. It's Cousin It there to take him away again. Yay! Hagrid crushes the horrible muggles to death and they're back to magic land. Yay, what a happy ending! Harry sees the tennis balls looking at him again, which is pretty creepy. The tennis balls are attached to a weird-looking creature who refers to himself in third person as Dobby. Dobby is there to see Harry and warn him not to go back to school, which is the last thing Harry wants to hear on an already shitty birthday. Harry learns that being nice to Dobby, who says he is a house elf, makes him inconsolable because nobody is ever nice to him. Dobby is basically the president of the Harry Potter fan club, no, I am, bitch, and spends several pages telling Harry how great he is. But also that bad things he can't explain are going to happen at Hogwarts, which, again, is not making Harry's day better. Harry's kindness triggers Dobby into making really loud noises of gratitude <laughs> that interrupt what was probably a really stupid punchline to whatever racist joke Uncle Vernon was trying to tell. Uncle Vernon threatens Harry, which is the norm, and then goes back to his fancy dinner party. When Harry refuses to say that he won't go back to Hogwarts, Dobby rushes downstairs and destroys Aunt Petunia's fancy pudding. Harry tries to stop him, but he's too late and this ruins Vernon's evening. They promise awful punishment for destroying the pudding and Uncle Vernon's big business deal and Harry really and truly had the worst birthday ever. Frowny face. The Dursleys lock Harry in his room and basically starve him while promising that he'll never go back to Hogwarts. He spends at least three weeks eating next to nothing and feeling like shit until he has a dream that he's in a cage at the zoo, then wakes up to see Ron Weasley staring at him through the bars on his window. Thank God. Let's get the fuck out of Dursleyland ASAP. 
Ron, Fred, and George have come to save the day and break Harry out of prison in a flying car. They pull the bars off the window and sneak downstairs to pick the lock of the cupboard to retrieve all of Harry's magical things while trying not to wake up the fuckheads. They almost succeed, except Harry almost forgot about the most important thing, Hedwig, and she's all like, you forgot me, bitch, and wakes up Vernon, who breaks through the wall, looking and acting like the fucking Kool-Aid man who tries to pull Harry back into the room. But luckily, Harry gets away, flips the bird to the stupid assholes on the way out. Literally, because Hedwig gets to fly freely as the Weasley boys bring Harry back to their house. On the way, Harry tells them about Dobby, and they quickly come to the realization that Dobby must belong to the Malfoys. So much for 17 chapters of suspense like the last book. He also learns that the car was bewitched to fly by Arthur Weasley, their dad, which is the most magic dad thing ever, especially since he also works for the ministry in the department of muggle fuckups. They make their way to the borough where the Weasleys live. It's a wacky looking overgrown house that is also the perfect blend of relatable and magical. Molly Weasley is about to burn the whole house down though because she is mad. She punishes the boys by forcing the Weasley boys to denome the garden, which is the muggle equivalent of shot putting squirrels. She also feeds Harry enough sausage to make Dumbledore quiver with it. I forgot that I wrote some of these things. <laughs> that one I did forget I wrote. Okay. She sorry. also. <laughs> She also feeds Harry enough sausage to make Dumbledore quiver with envy. <laughs> LOL. Wow. Good job, well, me. <laughs> that's a gay joke for those of you not paying attention. <laughs> Happy National Coming Out Day. <laughs> I did not write that, but that's even more ironic. Oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> when they're finished, Arthur Weasley comes home and meets Harry. Ginny also gushes over Harry. You just know she has GW plus HP forever written all over her diary and hearts. Sure, maybe it's a bit uncouth to mention Ginny and diaries this early in the book, but let's be honest, that's canon and Trelawney could take a note or two from Ginny because she is manifesting her destiny. I actually don't know how to say that. Manifesting her destiny. No, des- the okay. Oh, cr- I can't do that. Try. <laughs> Come on, try oh. for the listeners. <laughs> okay. Roll your R's. I can't roll my R's. Oh, cr- I can't. Oh, oh, cr- <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> Maybe that's the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, cr- <laughs> We did not drink the full bottle, I swear. And Trelawney could take a note or two from Ginny because she is manifesting her destiny. Except, is she really? After all, this chapter ends with Harry and Ron going up to his bedroom, Ron's ears turning pink, and we're left with another cliffhanger. There's a joke in there about Chudley cannons, too, but I'll let you figure that one out for yourself. Harry's life is immediately better when he is not with the Dursleys. The Weasley family is nice to him, and Ginny clearly has a crush on Harry. The kids all get their Hogwarts letters, and for some reason, some guy named Gilderoy Lockhart wrote all of their textbooks. Honestly, it is kind of bullshit to expect students to purchase every book written by the same person all for one year of school. Hermione sends a letter to Ron because he hasn't heard from Harry, and they make plans to meet up in Diagon Alley. Hooray! The reunion is coming! Harry and Ron and the twins get to do actual child things like play outside, and throw apples at each other, which is a child thing. That's me, Adam, not Tara talking. I don't know. AKA me judging Tara. What was your childhood like? <laughs> like play outside and throw apples at each other and be kids. And honestly, Quidditch sounds even more interesting when it's played with apples instead of quaffles. There's awkward conversation about how the Weasleys have no money, and Harry thinks about how he's actually a millionaire, but he doesn't talk about it. And they all get ready to go to Diagon Alley. They use flu powder, which Harry doesn't know how to use, and even though he makes it clear he's incredibly ignorant about using it, they still send him to Diagon Alley through the flu network all by himself, which obviously turns out just fine. After a leisurely trip into the flu network, Harry ends up in Nocturne Alley. 
He is in a shop with lots of dark and creepy things, so that's fun. He also sees Draco Malfoy and his father and hides from them while they do suspicious evil guy stuff and talk to the creepy guy working in the creepy shop where Harry is hiding. It's absolutely not suspicious at all and does not make Lucius Malfoy look like a bad guy in any way. Eventually, Harry leaves the shop after the Malfoys are done being jerks and is wandering the creepy alley when Hagrid finds him and takes him back to Diagon Alley. Luckily, they find some of the Weasley family along with Hermione rather quickly. Everyone was panicked because, again, they didn't seem to think it was necessary to accompany this child on a new experience of using flu powder, even though there were plenty of experienced people around to do just that before they left. Hermione fixes Harry's glasses because, well, she's Hermione. Harry and Arthur gossip about the Malfoy family, and they split up again until they meet up at the bookstore, Flourish and Blots. That's the chapter title. Oh, shit. <laughs> She, she a detective. I was going to say a mystery person. She is a mystery person. <laughs> we don't know what she is. It turns out that the author of all the books that they have to buy for the school year is going to be at the bookstore. Gilderoy Lockhart has attracted a long line of middle-aged women to have him sign his books. And also they fawn over him because he's good looking. With air quotes. Me, not Tara. Good looking. Also, he is the new Defense Against the Arts professor at Hogwarts. Awesome. Gilderoy Lockhart takes advantage of Harry being in the shop and has a f Whoa, that sounds like he, like, did something dirty to Harry. What does it say? Gilderoy Lockhart takes advantage of Harry. <laughs> It's going to be a pain in the ass to edit the best because this is... Okay. Gilderoy Lockhart takes advantage of Harry being in the shop and has a photographer from the Daily Prophet take a photo of them in hopes of being on the front page. Of course, Draco Malfoy witnesses that and harasses Harry for always being the center of attention. As always, Draco Malfoy is not very effective bully. Unfortunately, Lucius Malfoy is a much better bully than his son. He basically insults the Weasley family for associating with Hermione's family because they are muggles, and this causes Arthur to attack him with a knife. No, that was, again, just me. Before they can do any real damage to each other, Hagrid breaks it up. Tensions are high as the chapter ends, and the Weasleys and Harry prepare to go back to the burrow. Summer is ending, and the Weasley's house continues to be delightful, cozy, and fun. But it's time to go back to school, so all seven of them gather into the Fort Anglia. These Weasleys are a bunch of ragamuffins, though. Save for Molly, of course, and keep forgetting their shit. One of their brooms, their fireworks, super necessary at school. I sure hope Hogwarts has metal detectors. And, of course, Ginny's diary. If only they were like, tough shit, Jin Jin. You should have remembered the other two times we went back. Then we could have avoided this whole era of Slytherin ordeal. Anyway, on the way to King's Cross, Arthur wants to put on the invisibility and flying powers of the car to get there quicker, which Molly is steadfastly against. Maybe she would have felt differently if she were stuck in traffic more often, but at the same, Ron and Harry should have been paying attention to that because it may have avoided them heaps of trouble later on. They get to the platform and they all go through the wall, leaving those two last. They can't get through, causing a scene and a lot of confused muggle looks. Suddenly, out of all the possible solutions they could have taken, these 12-year-olds decide the best solution is to fly the car. After all, mom and dad don't need it, Ron says. Ron, you in danger, girl. <laughs> the car sputters into the sky in the most careless way possible, and they make their way toward Hogwarts. By dumb pure luck, they find the train, and follow it the whole way. Of course, they forgot that even magical cars have to run on gas, and luckily just in time they make it to the Hogwarts grounds and crash into a very aggressive tree that starts to bash them. I honestly can't blame it. When a bug flies into my hair, I get pretty pissed too. Anyway, Ron's wand breaks. Nope, not a dick joke for me once. Ha. Huh? And when the car gets shaken loose, it has had it officially with their shit and drives off giving them the middle fender. They sneak into the Great Hall just as the sorting ceremony starts and begin to badmouth Snape, but oh look, Snape is right behind them. He whisks them away and tells them they've been seen 
and goes to Mika to expel them. She and Dumbledore both show up to hear the full story, and by an absolute miracle, they don't get expelled, and no points get taken away from Gryffindor, except for by Adam at the end of this episode, probably. They do get detention, though, and as we'll learn soon, they have to spend time with a fucking egomaniac, which is pretty bad as is. When they finally make it to the common room, the Gryffindors congratulate them on arriving in style. SMH, that's why I'm a Slytherin. Yeah. So in case you missed it, Harry and Ron are fucking idiots, but somehow managed to not get expelled. Ron gets a howler from Molly, which honestly is much better than it could have been. Hermione is still mad at them, but also why? Let's get over it. It's also time for Herbology, but first we have to see Lockhart, who lectures Harry about how to be famous. Professor Sprout is fucking great BTW. We meet Justin Finch Fletchley, who is super huffle-puffly. There are mandrakes that Hermione already knows everything about. They wear earmuffs and play in the dirt with plants that could eventually kill them when they grow up. The mandrakes, not the dirt. <laughs> well, the dirt is not de deadly. Not dangerous at all. On to Transfiguration, which is hard because Harry forgot everything. Honestly, Harry is all of us at the beginning of a new school year. Then they go to Defense Against Dark Arts, but we first meet Colin Creevy, another viable candidate for president of the Harry Potter fan club, and Lockhart does another quick How to Be Famous lecture. Then Lockhart gives them a useless quiz that only Hermione gets right, of course. Then he get, lets a bunch of pixies loose, which I guess is supposed to be teaching. Ron and Harry are onto his BS. Hermione saves the day. First day of class goes as expected. Year two's rocky start continues, as Colin and Lockhart continue to make Harry feel paranoid, and Ron's broken wand continues to backfire. And honestly, I could stop right there if I wanted to if it weren't for two very important themes here. Racism and schizophrenia. In fact, we could just rename the chapter that. But then we lose the fun of alliteration and the fun of making Tara read another one of my dissertations. And this one is a dissertation. <laughs> Whew! Harry is woken up at the ass crack of dawn by Oliver Wood for Quidditch practices, but really what he does is drone on and on and on, and his audience is at their least alert. It doesn't help that that fucking Colin Creepy, Colin Skeevy, what's-his-face, keeps stalking him. The moment that they start to actually practice, the walking root canal Marcus Flint <laughs> brings the Slytherin team on the field with their brand new Nimbus 2001 brooms bought by Lucius Malfoy. And you know, Lucius bought them with pure vindication, as his empty chest cavity where a heart should be. But that's not self-righteous enough for Draco. When Hermione calls Draco out, he calls her a mudblood, a racist term against muggle-borns. Ron stands up for her and fires a curse, which backfires and causes him to vomit slugs uncontrollably. Honestly, the Gryffindor team could have just beat the shit out of them instead, which would have been preferable, honestly, but alas... They take Ron to the nearest place for reprieve, Hagrid's hut. Of course, Professor Dipshit is seen leaving, telling Hagrid how to do his job. Incorrectly, of course. As usual, Hagrid feeds them rocks. Well, treacle fudge, quotations. But trust me, it's rocks. That's when they explain what a mudblood is, and poor Ron continues to throw up slugs. However, we also learn three very intriguing bits of information here. One, Ginny had come by to visit Hagrid. Two, the first inclination that the dark arts post may be jinxed. Three, another note of Hagrid's pink umbrella and mentioning that Hagrid was expelled. Hmm, exposition. When going back to the castle, McGuh comes out and assigns detention. Ron has polished trophies with Argus Filch. Just think about that for a second. Polishing trophies with Filch. But even that pales in comparison to having to spend time with the biggest piece of shit that Ron threw up later. The slimy motherfucker himself, Lockhart. Ugh. As Harry is helping him with his fan mail, he starts to hear threatening voices that Lockhart can't hear. Probably because he has dicks for brains coming out of his ears, but still. So many clues toward the mystery of this book starting to appear. Oh hey, it's October. No it's not, it's November 20th. It's October in the book. Yeah. Madame Pomfrey is doing the healer thing, passing out potions to people with colds. And honestly, send that recipe to Ohio. Steam coming out your ears will just keep us warm a little bit longer. 
I usually already have steam coming out of my ears, but okay. Quidditch <laughs> to really sounds no fun with early morning practices in the rain. Being an athlete just isn't worth it. One rainy day after Quidditch practice, Harry meets nearly headless Nick on his way in, and they chat about Nick not being accepted to the headless hunt, and Harry whines about Slytherin having better broomsticks than Gryffindor. There's a dick joke here, but I'll leave that to Adam. I mean, the boons are dicks. Right? Oh my god. That's what the joke is. What a joke. Yep. <laughs> then Filch comes over and freaks out on Harry for getting the floor dirty. <laughs> now, okay, this is where the joke should have been. He gets the floor dirty with his broomstick. Okay, no, Harry doesn't bring his broomstick in with him. He leaves it in the Quidditch. Did, is that what it said? changing room. No, Harry leaves it in, in the thing. How do you know? It's not where they usually keep them. It doesn't say he's carrying his broomstick. He's wiping his broomstick all over the floor, and it's getting it filthy. And so Filch has to come and clean oh it up. Okay. God. Anyways, <laughs> where was I again? Then Filch comes over and freaks out on Harry for getting the floor dirty and leads him to his office, which is creepy and windowless and has chains and manacles hanging from the ceiling. Not troubling at all. Why does this guy work where there are children? Anyway, Filch is interrupted when they hear a crash, and he leaves to investigate. Harry is a nosy bitch and reads some mail on Filch's desk, but does a shitty job of hiding that he read it. Then Filch yells at him to leave. Harry meets up with Nick again and agrees to attend his 500th death day party instead of ha attending the Halloween feast. Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to the death day party. Everyone there is a ghost, and it's freezing, and there is no food. Well, no edible food, anyway. Peeves is there, being a pain in the ass. He calls over Myrtle, a ghost that haunts a toilet, and the trio all fail at complimenting her. Nick comes over, but before he can get ready for his speech, the Headless Hunt arrives, and honestly, they're just a bunch of assholes purposely trying to ruin someone else's party. Harry tries to tell Sir Patrick, the leader of the Headless Hunt, how scary he thinks Nick is, but is less successful than they had been telling Myrtle she looked nice. The trio starts to leave the party, but Harry hears the creepy voice again, saying it's going to kill. Ron and Hermione cannot hear it, but they follow Harry as he runs to find where it's coming from. When they stop, they see the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, enemies of the air beware, written on the wall. As they get closer, they see Filch's cat, Mrs. Norris, hanging below, petrified. Ron suggests they leave, but of course, as soon as he does, everyone comes around the corner and sees them standing there. Draco Malfoy, who we definitely did not miss this chapter, ignorantly says something racist again and continues to be a terrible bully. Following the last chapter where Mrs. Norris was petrified, by the way, why is she Mrs. Norris? Was she married? Who was her husband? Is Filch also Mr. Norris? That's the backstory I want. Filch is blaming Harry for doing this. Dumbledore later in Dipshit's office discovers that Mrs. Norris has been petrified, not killed. Dipshit knew it all along. Luckily, once the mandrakes are full grown, we find out they can provide potion. This still begs the question, what happens to those mandrakes? Filch reveals that he's a squib, and that's why Harry, whoever did this, came after Mrs. Norris. We learn that a squib is someone who comes from a magical family that has no magical abilities. As they're discussing the whole ordeal, they're also finishing up their history of magic homework, which is judged based on the length in feet. Jay Finch is also seen avoiding Harry. When he brings it up to Ron, Ron calls Jay Finch an idiot. 500 points from Ron Weasley. Just kidding. Anyways, they go to history of magic and Hermione has the balls to ask Professor Binns, the ghost that Tara and Adam forgot about in the last episode. Yeah, we'll talk about The origin of the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> That Salazar Slytherin created it to hold a monster that will dispose of anyone not worthy of studying magic, according to Slytherin. Begrudgingly, he tells the class while getting the most engagement ever. Vins don't care about engagement, only facts. Rumors start flying about Harry being the heir of Slytherin, probably started by Mr. Norris slash Snape's boyfriend, which begs the question, are these three in a love triangle? And they go to investigate the scene of the crimes, like pros. They find spiders escaping through a crack in the wall and remember the water that was there when the message was discovered, leading to moaning Myrtle's bathroom. They go to interrogate Myrtle and she's as sassy and depressed as usual. So relatable. Percy finds them coming out of the girl's bathroom and Percy gets all hot and bothered because what would people think if they saw Ron coming out of the girl's bathroom? What if that's the bathroom he prefers to use, Percy? Wow, that's insensitive. There's a joke in there about him being a prefect and a prick. 
IDK, you figure it out, I'm tired. Anyways, Hermione is stuck on this mystery and can't stop thinking about who the heir of Slytherin is when they bring up Malfoy. Valiant guess. Hermione also brings up the use of Polyjuice Potion in order to try to trick Malfoy into telling that he is indeed. However, they need to somehow sneak into the restricted section to get the book where the recipe is located. They, as in Hermione, are so smart in this chapter. I can't wait to get super disappointed when they, as in Ron, fuck it all up in a couple chapters, probably. Professor Useless Idiot has resorted to charades as his newest teaching method. The trio, with very, very little effort, trick the idiot into signing a paper stating that they should be allowed to check a book out of the restricted section of the library. The idiot then gives Harry a couple of backhanded compliments and continues to prove to everyone, except Hermione, just how useless he really is. They run to the library and check out the book, all while looking incredibly suspicious. Then they continue doing shady stuff like hanging out in a girl's bathroom. The book they checked out of the library is filled with horrifying potion recipes that seem to not phase Hermione one bit. She finds the page for a polyjuice potion, and when the boys logically hesitate about this plan to make the potion, Hermione throws a major fit and Ron suggests Harry just attempt to take out Malfoy during Quidditch the next day. As the Gryffindor team prepares for the match, Oliver makes the stupid comment that Harry needs to get the snitch before Malfoy or die trying, which is a bit extreme, but also when Harry is chased by a homicidal bludger, he basically shrugs it off because sports. After the bludger breaks his arm, Harry stupidly dives for the snitch and somehow manages to not die when he falls to the ground. But don't worry, he gets the snitch, they win, Malfoy looks stupid, it's all good, enter dipshit Lockhart, instead of letting Harry go to the hospital wing to see someone who actually knows what the fuck they're doing, Lockhart does some stupid spell where he removes the bones from Harry's arm. Whoops. There was room for a dick joke there. Anyway, thank God they finally get him to the real MVP of Hogwarts, Madame Humphrey. She gives Harry Skelligro to regrow his bones. There's a joke there. Oh my God, you're psychic. You knew I was going to make dick jokes. That's not really psychic. That's just, you know, yeah. And while he's there, staying overnight, Dobby comes to visit, and Harry learns that his way of protecting him is to try to seriously injure him and ruin his life. Honestly, with Dobby around, Draco needs to not work so hard at fucking up Harry's life. Dobby says a lot of ominous shit about history repeating itself and the Chamber of Secrets, and it seems like Harry may finally learn something, but then Dumbledore and McGuck come in, so Dobby leaves. The professors bring in Colin Creevy, who has been petrified. Dumbledore ignores the number one rule of developing film <laughs> and opens Colin's camera, so basically if the film hadn't been destroyed or whatever attacked Colin, it would have been as fucking useless as Gildroy Lockhart because you don't expel film to light Dumbledore. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Oh yeah, the Chamber of Secrets is definitely open. This chapter is long AF, so buckle in, bitches. The bones are back in Harry's arms, so Quinn Pomfrey releases him back out of the hospital wing where he goes on the search for Ron and Hermione. He runs into Percy, who is completely insensitive to Harry's injury, and Ron's bathroom preference. But this gives Harry the clue that they're in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, getting a head start on the Polyjuice Potion. However, they still need some difficult-to-acquire ingredients, so they devise a plan to steal them from Snape's private stash. Harry uses one of Fred's filibuster fireworks that have been mentioned throughout this book to cause a ruckus and the swelling solution to splash all over a bunch of people. Let's talk about the swelling solution and the deflating draft. Can you imagine if these were real? It would revolutionize the plastic surgery and sex industries overnight. <laughs> Anyways, this works and Hermione gets the ingredients she needs. A week later, they see a flyer for a dueling club and the whole school ends up going. It's run by Lockhart, who, as the albeit remedial Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, is finally sort of staying in his lane. But for some reason, he chose Snape to be his faculty co-leader for this club. Wow, two dicks. The only place you can find two bigger dicks fighting with one another is Dumbledore's Pornhub account. Literally anyone could have been better. Flitwick, McGuh, Sprout, Hagrid, Trelawney, Quinn Pomfrey, the fucking baby mandrakes, anyone. Lockhart honestly isn't the worst either. Yes, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, but amid chaos, divulging, and dueling club turning into fight club, Snape uses it as an opportunity to cause more drama toward Harry for literally no reason. In fact, Snape encourages Draco to use a snake conjuring spell. Irony wins this chapter because it turns on Jay Finch, 
who was already terrified of Harry, but Harry tells the snake to back the fuck up. But the whole school is terrified now because, as he learns later, he's a parcel mouth, and only bad guys can do that. Even Snape was kind of surprised, so despite his actions, everyone is only looking at things face value instead of looking at the hard fact that Harry saved Jay Finch from a snake. Wow, everyone in the school is so level-headed, I love it. The next day, Herbology class with the Hufflepuffs is cancelled because of Snowpocalypse, but Harry still wants to reason with Jay Finch. Instead, he finds their fellow Puffs talking shit, or should I say Ernie Mac blowing things out of proportion. Major props to Hannah, though, for not taking things out of complete perspective. You go, Hannah. I'm not fooling you. Harry approaches them in a way that, in context, probably was a little too aggressive asking to see Jay Finch. It goes just as you'd expect. Not great. Anyway, we see Hagrid. Yay, Hagrid! A brief reprieve of someone who we love and who is nice. And then, as the irony continues, Jay Finch and nearly headless Nick are found petrified. Wow, so perfect. Peeves is a dick. Ernie is an outspoken dick. Dicks, 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 dicks. Finally, an adult, Quen McGuh, actually takes control of a situation, tells everyone to GTFO, forces Ernie Mac to literally fan Nick up a flight of stairs as punishment for making assumptions, and then takes Harry to Dumbledore's office. Harry has been through it in these last couple chapters. Ooh, Harry had to go to the principal's office. Ooh. McGuh leaves him alone in Dumbledore's office, which feels like not a great idea. Harry takes this time to try on the sorting hat without permission, and then he stands there doing nothing when a sick bird bursts into flames. And that's when Dumbledore walks in and laughs at a child for his clear discomfort over seeing an animal just burst into flames. Honestly, no wonder Harry doesn't want to talk about hearing voices with him. It's almost Christmas, and everyone still thinks Harry is the heir of Slytherin. So most of the students go home for Christmas, leaving the Weasleys and Harry and Draco at Hogwarts. It's double Christmas, and Hermione wakes up Ron and Harry by telling them the Polyjuice Potion is ready. But because we need to enjoy some Christmas stuff first, they decide they will be taking the potion after the Christmas feast. So first we just get to enjoy a little bit of drunk Hagrid and Fred and George bullying their older brother. Sounds like Christmas to me. Hermione is the queen of plans and comes up with one so that Ron and Harry can turn into Crab and Goyle. And somehow that is pulled off without any trouble. They all take their potion, but Hermione decides not to go with them. So Ron and Harry trot off looking for the Slytherin common room. Twice they mistake people from other houses as Slytherin only to be found by Malfoy. They all go to the Slytherin common room and being the completely oblivious human he is, Harry plays the part of Goyle well. Even though they start to change back while with Malfoy, they manage to get back to Morning Myrtle's bathroom without any problems. Unfortunately for Hermione, the plan didn't quite work and she accidentally used cat hair in her potion, which is why she didn't go with the boys. Also, Myrtle bullies her, which is uh, rude. Oh, and despite Ron's logical assessments earlier, Draco is not the heir of Slytherin. He's just a big, old, racist asshole. <laughs> Hermione is still feeling feline when school resumes after a holiday and the other students believe she was attacked. Haha, <laughs> that could never happen. Hermione keeps up with her homework thanks to Ron and Harry delivering everything to the hospital wing. The boys find a get well card, in quotes, get well, from everyone's favorite windbag, who, even, in writing, a card to someone who accidentally turned herself into a human-sized cat, makes it all about him. So annoying. Oh, we hate him. Uh, <laughs> Harry and Ron leave the hospital wing and come across an angry filch and a flooded hallway. The flood leads the boys to moaning, to moaning, I can't say moaning. <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. Snitch is angry. Someone threw the book at her. Harry picks up the soggy diary of T.M. Riddle and then leave Myrtle to her feelings and her toilet. They look through the diary, but it's totally blank. J.K. never makes it easy. Truth. When Hermione is released from hospital, the three attempt to discover the diary secrets to no avail. But Harry and Hermione are successful at getting Ron to catch up. 
Oh, and good news. Harry is showing some obsessive behaviors with a book by an unknown author. Good things that'll never happen again. Right? <laughs> it's not foreshadowing at all. Nope. <sighs> the mandrakes are growing closer to being usable, which is great news, but Ernie McMillan is still blaming Harry for the attacks. Lockhart decides to throw a Valentine's Day bash, which includes Cupid dwarves with harps. Classy. <laughs> Harry gets a singing valentine, and Malfoy jumps at the chance to be a jerk. But wait, why is Ginny so horrified by Harry and Malfoy fighting over a diary? Eh, probably nothing. In the scuffle with the dwarf, Harry's ink spills over everything, but the diary is spotless. Harry tests his inkling by inking the pages. That was shady. <laughs> you know we drink during this <laughs> And ends up talking with T.M. Riddle. Riddle is super helpful and shows Harry how he caught the culprit 50 years ago. Huzzah! A major lead in the mystery. Oh crap, it's Hagrid. The trio began recapping what Harry saw in the diary, that it was Hagrid's creature with many hairy legs that attacked the student many years ago. I would use another umbrage joke here, but I think I've exhausted that one. How many monsters do you think this place can hold? Asks Ron. Ha, bitch, if you only knew. They consider going to ask Hagrid, but they decide they better not. Looks like they sort of learned their lesson last time with the whole Norbert incident. Luckily, things were getting a bit easier, and the Mandrakes are fully adolescent assholes, so the moment to murder them is approaching. Electives are being selected for third year, Quidditch practices are continuing, things are sort of maybe seeming normal and good for once. <laughs> Lol, JK. Someone ransacked the Gryffindor common room and stole Tom Riddle's diary. Oh, and the mysterious murder voice is being heard, too. However, this causes Hermione to have an epiphany, and she runs off to the library. Harry goes off to begin the Quidditch match, and just as they're getting started, McGuh comes out and orders the match to be cancelled. McGuh takes Harry and Ron to the infirmary, where both Penelope Clearwater and Hermione are petrified. There has been another double attack. Because of this, there are now many additional rules to keep everyone safe, like constant teacher escorts and no evening activities. McGuh says that the school is also likely to be closed if the culprit is found. Ron does make the astute observation that no Slytherins are in danger. He is wrong, but he's trying and making some pretty good guesses. Despite all of the rules, though, does Harry listen? Ha, we all know the answer to that. He figures out that this is now time to talk to Hagrid. So out comes the invisibility cloak. However, he has to dodge all the teachers and prefects guarding the halls to get there. When they finally get to Hagrid, he is extremely jumpy and anxious, and there's another knock at the door. It's Cornelius Fudge, a man with a terrible name and no fashion sense. Oh, and he also happens to be the Minister of Magic. We'll call him Fudge Packer from now on. Speaking of Fudge Packer, Dumbledore is also there. Of course, Fudge Packer also thinks that Hagrid's monster is the one who has been attacking all the Muggleborns, too. But Dumbledore knows better as he tries to warn Fudge Packer. It's no use, and they take Hagrid away to, oh wait, it gets even gayer, and panty and hair model Miss Gay UK 1988, his drag name is Luscious Boy Toy, and world-renowned power bottom Lucius Malfoy also shows up and swings his tiny dick around. He has an order of suspension to remove Dumbledore, too. Sis, things are getting catty up in this gig. Gay jokes aside, you know, Luscious strong-armed all those signatures onto that suspension. Hagrid thinks so, too. Dumbledore steps aside, as requested, but of course ends with a scathing line about how he'll only have truly left when nobody is left loyal to him. Drag her, slay her. Sipping on that true tea, hunty. <laughs> Fudge fiddles with his bowler. Just thought I'd mention that. Hagrid also has a scathing line about following the spiders, too? Whatever that means. Oh, and someone needs to feed Fang. It's almost summer, but everything sucks because Hagrid is not there and Dumbledore is not there and Ron and Harry's handy homework assistant Hermione is petrified and basically everything kind of sucks. Draco thinks everyone is being frightened is actually something to be celebrated because he's a fucking creep. Harry and Ron are constantly looking for spiders, which is not at all fun for Ron. My cats are wreaking havoc. You might be able to hear them galloping around my house. My cats are the size of horses. Anyways, <laughs> back to the summary. Potions class is usually bullshit where Malfoy and Snape are kissing each other's asses and class ends with Ron wanting to murder a classmate. Again, things are going swimmingly at Hogwarts. Herbology is awkward. Ernie is kind of a fucking idiot and Harry is pretty terrible at 
being nonchalant about following spiders. Maybe Ernie and Hannah just think Harry likes spiders? Defense against the dark arts is uneventful, minus Lockhart acting like he knows everything. Also, Harry should have absolutely thrown that stupid book at him because fuck that guy. After everyone goes to bed, Harry and Ron sneak out again under the cloak and go to Hagrid's hut to get Fang. They follow spiders into the forest with no fucking plan at all except Hagrid's simple and terrifying instructions, follow spiders. So they follow spiders for a while, little not very scary spiders, till they hear something big that turns out to be the Weasley's car. While they're celebrating that the big thing was not actually going to hurt them, they are suddenly kidnapped by giant-ass horrifying spiders and taken to a clearing where there are literally a billion gargantuan spiders. This fucking chapter has given me nightmares since 2001. Anyway, an even bigger fucking spider. Man, you said spiders a lot. Yeah, I also said fucking a lot. Oh, uh, fucking. Ah, uh, spiders. <laughs> Anyway, an even bigger fucking spider comes out and talks to them. He's Aragog, and he and Hagrid are homies, and he tells the boys about how he is totally not the monster who's attacking students, and he wasn't last time, and he's fucking tired of being accused of shit that he did not do, like killing some girl in a bathroom. <laughs> Me too. Also, Hagrid found him a wife, and they have 678 billion children who all want to eat Harry and Ron. The boys try to leave after Aragog gives them really important information, but he's like, bitches, my kids is hungry. <laughs> That's Aragog's voice from now on. <laughs> and just as they're about to be spider food, the car comes flying in and rescues them all. They make it back to the dorm somehow, and after Ron falls asleep... <laughs> Harry rudely wakes him up because he figured something out. What if Moaning Myrtle is the bitch who died? Cue the nightmares, people. Fucking spiders. Spiders. Fucking. <laughs> fucking. Fucking. Spiders. Spiders. <laughs> I wrote that in five minutes. Back the fuck off. <laughs> oh my god. Exams are coming. What? Yes. Children. The school didn't get closed. Be grateful that means you need to be tested on your education. God, MCG has more news though too. It's officially time to murder the Mandrake so maybe we'll find out who the culprit is once the frozen peeps thaw. Ginny has something to say that's really important. Percy tells her to GTFO though. And Ron and Harry are like, WTF? She was about to tell us something important. And Percy's all like, oh don't worry. She just wanted to tell you that she walked in on him and Penelope fucking. She wasn't the only thing that got petrified. Anyways, one day on the way to History of Magic, Lockhart is so annoyed because everyone knows Hagrid did it, and Harry and Ron are like, peace. And then they get caught by MCG and they're like we're like we miss her. And MCG starts crying and is like, yes, yes, fuck the rules go see your precious Hern. But when they get there they notice a very important clue clutched in her hand Hermione had ripped a page out of a book identifying the monster, a basilisk. It's a big snake that gets born out of a chicken egg when a toad sits on it, and it's scared of roosters. WTF? They're about to go see MCG in the teacher's lounge when there's an announcement for everyone to return to their common rooms. H and R hide in a wardrobe, and here all the teachers come in. There was another message left and Ginny was taken into the Chamber of Secrets. Lockhart stumbles in late, and all the teachers are like, well, it's your chance to go defeat the creature, you fucking dipshit. By I-I-I-I-I-I-I, and Lockhart's all like, fuck. Oh my god. The Gryffindors are super solemn, and H and R are like, we can't just sit here and do nothing. Let's go tell Lockhart we know something. But when they get to his office, he's packing up. The big Olay pussy is skirt. He lied about the books. And he's out of here when the going gets tough. When he's just about to obliviate the boys, Harry Expellier muses the shit out of him and is like, come with us, we're going to the Chamber of Secret Beach. They get to Myrtle's bathroom. And Myrtle's like, oh, hey, hell yeah, I died here. Some boy was whispering and then I saw these big yellow eyes. And Olive Hornby is a fucking bitch, by the way, have you seen her? I need to make her shit herself. But they're like STFU Myrtle. We got to save the school. So Harry chatters at a sink which then, it sinks into the floor. Haha get it? What a horrible pun. Anyway, 
They go sliding down the pipes, which also happens to be the name of yet another video on Quinn Dumble's Pornhub account. And when they get to the bottom there's all these rodent bones there and a huge snackuskin. Lockhart grabs hold of Ron's wand, ooh gross, and tries to obligate them again but you idiot. You knew his wand didn't work all this time. This ends up getting Ron and Lockhart trapped behind a bunch of fallen rocks. And that means Harry has to go forward alone to fight the Basilisk and, presumably, another version of Voldemort alone. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Harry goes into the Chamber of Secrets and finds lots of snake pillars that creep him out. Honestly, this is why nobody likes this book. Fucking spiders and snakes every fucking where. As he walks through the chamber, he sees a big-ass statue of a monkey that is apparently supposed to be Salazar Slytherin. Then he sees Ginny and runs to her, begging her, helpfully, not to be dead. Out of nowhere, Tom Riddle appears. Instead of being concerned that some guy who was alive 50 years ago just appeared in front of him, Harry assumes he is there to help and urgently tells him about the basilisk and asks him to help get Ginny to safety. As Harry tries to lift Ginny to get her out of the chamber, Tom takes his wand and Harry finally starts to realize that maybe he should be concerned about his presence. In a lot of exposition, Tom explains to Harry that Ginny had opened the Chamber of Secrets and he has been controlling her basically all year through his diary to attack Muggleborns. When Harry tells Tom that he failed this time because nobody has died and the Mandrakes will be reviving everyone who had been petrified very soon, Tom tells him he doesn't care about Salazar Slytherin's plan to remove Muggleborns from the school any longer. He's now focused on Harry and how this child could have possibly defeated Lord Voldemort. Harry doesn't understand why Riddle cares until it's revealed that Tom is, in fact, Voldemort. Harry tells Riddle that Voldemort is basically nothing now, and that Voldemort would never be the greatest wizard ever because Dumbledore is way fucking better. As a reward for giving Dumby that high praise, Fox shows up with a sorting hat in case Harry wants to try it on for the third time. Anyway, Riddle finds this amusing and decides it's time to get out the giant snake. Insert Adam's expected joke here. Even when she's not here, she knows that there's gonna be some dick jokes. So Harry closes his eyes and runs away, which sounds really cowardly. But what the hell is he supposed to do without a weapon when there's an ancient giant snake who can kill you not only with his sharp poisonous teeth, but also its fucking eyes? But don't worry much, because Fox blinds the basilisk with his sharp beak, and now Harry just has to avoid being crushed by a giant snake writhing in pain. Because he has no idea what to do, he puts on the sorting hat, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, and is nearly knocked unconscious by a sword somehow hidden inside of it. He uses the sword to murder the basilisk. He again has to be grateful for Fox when the bird's healing tears save him from dying from the snake thing that is caught in his arm. Tom is pissed. Harry murdered his pet snake and didn't even fucking die from being poisoned by its fangs. He will just have to kill Harry himself, but wait! Fox and Harry play catch with the diary, and Harry stabs the diary with the basilisk thing, and hooray! Tom Riddle is gone again for now. It's the second to last chapter, so yeah, he's probably gone. Harry, Ginny, and Fox get the fuck out of that chamber and rush back to Ron and Lockhart. Then, because Fox is the fucking best, he manages to carry four humans out of the depths of the school and back to Myrtle's bathroom, where she mourns the fact that Harry did not die while in the chamber. Next stop, not the fucking bathroom, take a shower and clean off the blood. Nope, we're off to McGuh's office. After the ordeal in the Chamber of Secrets, Harry, Ron, Ginny, and Lockshart make their way to McGuh's office. Despite Harry looking carry, and Ginny is still reeling from an intensely traumatic experience. As usual, it's the right place though because Quen, Molly, and Arthur are there. They sure got there fast. Bet they didn't expect to see this motley crew waltz into the office. Harry goes on to explain what happened and that Ginny was controlled by the diary. Dumbledore gives some background on how Riddle became Voldemort. Arthur tells Ginny never to trust anything that can think for itself and I'm like, shit, there goes 80% of the human population. Hashtag trust no bitch. Dumble agrees, saying that many other witches and wizards have been tricked by Voldemort in the past that were more seasoned than just an impressionable first year, and that she will not be punished, and ushers her off to see Quentin Pomfrey for some hot chocolate. I hope that hot chocolate at least is that fancy CBD oil kind because girl needs it. Especially because she's going to be witnessing all the petrified students getting woken up that she still feels responsible for. He also tells Mika to get back to the kitchen rude <laughs> and get that party hop in in the great hall dumble gives both boys 200 points each and then sends ron to take lock to the hospital wing too 
I hope his hot chocolate has laxatives in it. Harry still has questions about why Riddle seems so comparative toward him. Even though I said the obvious right answer last time that Riddle was a jealous bitch, Dumble clears it up and explains that Voldy transferred some of his powers to Harry when he gave him that scar on his forehead, and that might be why the hat was like, you might be a Slytherin. Forehead shadowing. Very nice. Thank you. Choice is a theme here, and Dumble says, it is our choices that show us what we truly are far more than our abilities, and that only a true Gryffindor could pull the sword of Gryffindor out of the hat. I'm sure Dumble has pulled worse things out of the hat. Luscious boy toy arrives with Dobby in tow, and he mad, Gina. He's all like, why are you back, ho? And Dumble's like, I did my research, and you done blackmailed some bitches, and get the fuck out of my office, you trifling bitch. Luscious stomps out like a toddler, but Harry runs after him and is like, hey, you forgot your book, and wraps his sock around it, which is slimy for some reason. I think maybe Harry's the one who needs to go to the hospital wing. Anyway, Luscious ain't even thinking, so he gives the sock to Dobby, and Dobby's like, I'm free, bitch, bye, and sends Luscious hurtling through the air after he tries to get back at Harry. So the book ends with evil triumph, a slumber party feast, Luscious getting fired, Dobby being free, and oh yeah, Weasley, above all odds, is interested in Poon. <laughs> and they lived happily ever- <laughs> lol, just kidding. Here's five more books. And we got some inflatable bull dice, and escaped prisoners, and a greasy rat man, and some ministry corruption and terrible omens and teacups and terrifying floating black ghost things that will suck your soul out of your butt and rift in some time space continuum to look forward to. Yay, who's excited? The end. Did you enjoy that? I know they did. Oh, you better. It took a lot of work <laughs> going back in time, finding all those episodes, reliving all the good moments and the bad moments. And funny things that Adam wrote, but not me, because I'm not funny. <laughs> funny things that Adam wrote for Tara to say. Yeah. I write all Tara's jokes. <laughs> Everyone now knows that. That I, was supposed to be a secret. I know. That they're learning all of the juicy gossip of how basic niches operates. That's why you listen to the holiday apps, guys. Yeah. Well, the stocking stuffers aren't finished yet. That's what they used to call Tara in college, the stocking stuffer. That's okay, though, because they called me Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, and Vixen. <laughs> Every year I have a different nickname. <laughs> Next week we're going to have another special episode. I bet you can't guess what it is. We're spoiling the hell out of you. You're welcome. See, that's right, but we're not spoiling what that episode is. Nope. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. Basicsnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.